Hi, this is Tina Lind, and this is the Westfield Second Ward Family History Podcast. All right, well, I'm excited to have an old-timer in the ward. You've been in the ward longer than anybody I know, haven't you? No. <laughs> How long have you been in the ward? Uh, we moved in July 4th weekend, um, 2013. Yeah, that's like the old-timer. So timer. we were... Yeah, there was that's a, like few, eight there's years. a few... <laughs> I think there's a few more older timers than me. Uh, anybody who is on the um, east side of Kensington Drive was here before me. <laughs> and the lurkers were here before me. Okay. So we were the last ones on this this part of the road. Because so, I was joking yeah. with the uh, eaves because they were like eight years. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. you're the old timers. No, on. I got to watch everybody else's homes be built. So yeah. I'd just get, a, get up in the morning and I'd look out my window. Who's being dug out today? <laughs> What are they doing today? And yeah. Well, cool. All right. So tell us, where did you grow up? Oh, you're not. I, you're not a local. I'm not. I am a California transplant. I grew up in Salinas, California, which is in the Monterey Bay. It is John Steinbeck country. Oh. So I grew up around uh, fields. The grapes of wrath. Uh, not yeah, exactly. But it is literally called the salad bowl of the nation, because in the Salinas Valley we have Mother Nature's air conditioning, and so it keeps it cool. It never gets above seventy. If it gets above seventy, everybody's dying of heat prostration, because we don't have air conditioning. We have really good heaters because it can get, it can get pretty chilly. Uh, with the marine layer coming in in the afternoons. But no, there's, oh my goodness, Salinas Valley grows every variety of lettuce, carrots, cauliflower, broccoli, green onions, artichokes, best artichokes come from that part of the Bay Area. Uh, Brussels sprouts, tomatoes, in this down the Salinas Valley, it warms up, so then you've got your table grapes and your wine grapes and your carrots like i said and uh there used to be a sugar beet factory for spreckles out in the town of spreckles and um they would refine sugary sugar out there and so it sounds like it's both um Utah is both hotter and colder than this area. It is. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we would get frost um, just a couple days a year. If we were lucky, it'd snow for five minutes. It'd melt as soon as it hit the ground, but that was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, in order for us to get to the snow, we had um, these mountains to the west of us are about as high as the coastal range which were right there one side of the Salinas Valley. And um, they get up to maybe 50, maybe they're not quite as high as these, but they look at, um, because we were at sea level, um, they maybe f- 5,500 feet above sea level. And so they get, dust, they get a good snow. So my dad would take us up to the snow. Nice. And we that's where we go sledding. But it, it's like... You know, did did you ski at all, or no, just sledding? Uh, I, I, <laughs> I will not say I have learned to ski. I will say I'm very much a novice at skiing, and I have probably can count on one hand the times I've skied. Um, and that was Tahoe, Badger Pass, um, and, and um, I can't think of the one that's 
right there. It straddles California, Nevada, and, and Tahoe. And um, I've not been to any of them here. Oh, really? No, I think I'd probably die of a heart attack if I went right now, but I'm working on that. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, we, we grew up going to the snow, but not living in the snow. Um, but I've adapted really well. I love it. I love it here. You love the Four Seasons? Um, yeah, I do. I do. I don't, you know, I don't like the extremes when it's frozen, frozen, or when it's baking 110 degrees. Um, but I really like it here. Cool. You know, the, it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. I don't miss California, which is gorgeous. I grew up in a beautiful, beautiful area. And it took me going to college in Fresno, which is kind of almost the armpit of the state. Um, go Bulldogs. But, I didn't realize uh, how farming Fresno is. It's really oh, yeah. a farming place. Well, then you get because it gets warmer there. You know, you have a you can have a, a ten day, thirty day stretch of over hundred, and so you've got melons, uh, lots of melon, like cantaloupe. Um, I don't know what else they grow there. Grapes, lots of lots and lots of grapes. I, I, fact, I did a game at Fresno State for CBS. I think it was yeah. years ago. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. When I was in college. Here's the funny thing. Um, there was a mini series done that was called Fresno. Oh, really? And off, uh, it was spoofing Dallas. Oh. <laughs> and so Fresno was quoted as being the raisin capital of the world, which it's not. Ah. 30 minutes north of that, south of that, sorry, is Sanger which is officially the raisin capital of the world. But the Fresno miniseries was starring Carol Burnett, and the tallest building in Fresno was the Water Tower <laughs> in the Water Tower District. And so there was one scene of her um, contemplating suicide by jumping off the Water Tower, which is like two stories high. You know? That's funny. But anyway, yeah, Fresno. Oh, cool. Well, can you give us two or three memories from uh, growing up? Oh, growing up. You know, I have the best memories of growing up. Um, my paternal side, um, my grandmother was one of um, seven, seven siblings, eight siblings, which you would have seen had the video worked. Yes. You would have Sorry. seen all of them. Um, it worked when I tested it out. Yeah, I don't sure. know why. It <laughs> but hopefully we'll get that. I, I, th I sent it to Janice, so maybe she'll get that out there on the website. But so um, I had always, we had big family events with all the, these were my great aunts and uncles. And so I had cousins. And I, you know, and so my dad is uh, one of two. He only had one other sibling, two boys. And they had three girls. So we're the end of the Gonderman mind on, the, on, on that side. Um, but we spent a lot of time with those cousins. And then my, uh, I've got cousins through my grandmother's brother had kids that were uh, younger than my dad. And so um, my youngest cousin on that side is two years older than me. So we all hung out and did things together. So Christmases were huge, huge, with a big pile of wrapping paper in the middle of this 
you know, 20 by 20 room and um, a lot of fun. We did camp, we went to camping. Okay, I don't do camp, tent camping, I do camper camping, you know, but they would, when we go to the local lake, and which is about an hour away, and we, you know, go for the weekend, and, you know, Grandma and Grandpa, would, well, I called them Mimi and Papa, would be in their camper, and then we'd be in our trailer, and then we'd have aunts and uncles in their campers or trailers, you know, and we'd have this little, this little commune going at the lake. It was just, it was a lot of fun. You know, and then I, um, my dad was always wanting, he wanted boys because he didn't know what to do with girls. And so I grew up, uh, and I'm a twin, so Terry and I, you know, would, he'd pack, the, pack us girls up and he'd take us, um, he only did it once, but, you know, besides going up to the snow, he took us squirrel hunting one time. One of the most miserable times in my life. <laughs> he took seven-year-olds out squirrel hunting and it was raining you know but he, he would try and do stuff like that and later in our teen years he would take us he didn't know what to do with us so he would take us to the auto races so we grew up in the Monterey Bay and so Laguna Seca Raceway is right there and so he'd take us to the Corvette Corral because he was in the Corvette Club with the 68 Corvette and he'd take us out there and uh, we'd hang out. It used to be that there was turn two and turn three and nothing in between. And now they've created a whole, I mean, like the, where we were is now another whole, like one of these, uh, you know, slow down to 10 miles an hour curves. But when, when we were going as kids, that didn't exist. And so we were. So this is just like Grand Prix or NASCAR? Because NASCAR, NASCAR is just a big circle, right? This, this is NASCAR. Okay. And um, the, like Sears Point, where it's you're doing these turns and curves and S curves and wow! Oh, it was amazing. See, that sounds more like Grand Prix than NASCAR. It's not Grand Prix. I think maybe some formula, but it it would be big racers like um, um, Mario Andretti. No, he's more. No, uh, I'm thinking more of um, Michael Schumacher. The father and son. Um, Oh, geez. Uh, junior I, and senior. Yeah, Al Unser. Anyway, no, no. Yeah, but still, yeah, things like that. And um, so, you know, we, he'd take us into the pits to kind of see what it was. Oh, like. really? We, it's we loud could, there. We could walk. Oh, yeah. And we can walk the track, which is, you know, you're walking probably four miles round, up the hill, down the hill, and around. So it was kind of fun. So I was on my mission. We were driving through Darlington, South Carolina, which is a tiny town. Yeah. And it was the same day as the Trans South 500. Oh, yeah. I could not believe how loud those cars oh, were. Yeah. It, we were. We just drove by the stadium. We didn't even go in. Yeah. And it was just loud. Yeah. Those cars are loud. Yeah. These were, no, these were full-size cars. Yeah. Uh, not stock. They were, they were beefed up pretty well. But uh, I can't think of that. Darn it. That's okay. Anyway. Um... They're like Indy 500 cars, you know, and the same drivers. And so it was pretty cool. We, you know, we did a lot of fun things. And he, uh, he, uh, so we grew, we all grew up in, in Salinas. And so my, my, uh, my, what's ironic is um, all of my family but me ended up immigrating out of California and back to Oklahoma. And as I'm doing, family history, I'm realizing that they are within 50, 70 miles 
of where all of my great grandparents and my where my grandparents were born. Oh wow! So there, my dad and my mom was living there too. But uh, and my my parents divorced when we were eleven. But um, yeah, my my um, maternal grandparents were born in Oklahoma. My paternal grandparents were born in Oklahoma. And isn't that funny? And then they don't meet each other until they're out in California. <laughs> I mean, it's wild to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, my, and um, on my, my dad's side, which is um, Gonderman for the paternal and Harp for the maternal. And Harp. that's where Merle Haggard's the third cousin and Dolly Parton's out there as a sixth cousin through the harp line. <laughs> and uh, Well, harp, you can't get any more musical than a harp, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> that, but, it, but it's also herb. Like as white in herb? white herb. He's in my family tree also. Wow. Um, on that harp side. You're a little bit country. Yeah, I am so. <laughs> oh, I was, and that's where I was going with the Oklahoma is my dad is in his element in Oklahoma. He lives on the lake, and in May, when the rains come, he will be in the lake because the lake waters come up right underneath his floorboards. Mm. Yeah, and he he'll be catching catfish off his porch. It's crazy. Now so, I know you you didn't grow up in the LDS Church. I did not. So tell mm-hmm. us tell us about your development of your faith up yeah. until you joined, and um, when did you join? Well, uh, like I said, my, my parents got divorced when we were um, about 11, 10, 11. And so my mom was working. She's going to hate me for saying this. Uh, she was working Do at we need to the edit this local... Out? I don't know. We'll <laughs> um, she was working at the local truck stop, and she was in charge of the scales, right? And I guess this local um, repeat, you know, truck driver, local truck, truck driver came in, and she got to know him. And he says, yeah, I, I, um, I drive the church bus every Sunday. I'd be happy to pick up the girls. So he did. And so we ended up at this little tiny Southern Baptist church on the east side of Salinas, which is now, uh, well, at, even at that point, it had been kind of taken over by the farm workers. And so it was very Hispanic over in that area. But it's this little, this little congregation at Emmanuel Southern Baptist Church, all white-haired people and a few youth. And so we were part of the few youth that um, became pretty active and pretty strong as a youth group. And I got very involved, Terry and I got pretty involved in the youth group that expanded um, through kind of the area where you do activities, all the youth, kind of like YSA, you know, only for high schoolers, you know, in uh, junior high. And so we got, you know, very involved in that. And lots of fun activities, had a great time, really enjoyed it. You know, we're baptized early in that. And um, and then we made it into high, you know, when we got to high school, other activities kind of got in the way. I joined drill team. Oh, really? And our drill team did parades every Sunday, right? During the summer, parades are on Sunday. So if you're in another town, you're not at church. So we kind of fell away and got involved with all these other things. Your sister Terry did that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I started, and then the next year she joined 
uh, the drill team, and we were award-winning. We actually, our team, we were a dance team, so it's not what you see on ESPN. You know, it's not like that. We drag our drum corps with us, and you know, uh, sashay down the road, you know, doing our little our little dance routine for whatever two miles of the route. We actually, the highlight of that was my senior year. And I, by then I was one of the, there were three of us that were captains and wore a different color than the other ladies. And um, we were invited to lead the 30th anniversary parade at Disneyland. Oh, wow. Talk about a wonderful experience. I mean, millions of people watching you in that parade. So, or it felt like it anyway. You know, but it was pretty cool. And we were the ones that, that led the parade out. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, off to college to Fresno and kind of wanted to find something to call home. But all the churches out there were like 5,000 members, you know, these huge mega churches. Mega church, yeah. You know, and you just feel like you're just like an ant. And I just really didn't find um, some place to call home. And then, um, Stayed there for a few years and then came back to my hometown and um, <clears throat> met my husband um, eventually. I was like 29 by then. Okay. Yeah, eventually. Um, and I was at that point self-employed briefly as a business consultant and was invited to do a radio show on Cannery Row, they had KNRY, and one of the guys I was contracted with, he um, he was he did the show and he did the business lunch hour, and so he invited me to do that. I was nervous, so I was down on Cannery Row. I was way early and very nervous, and so I'm sitting out there in front of what is now El Torito, I think, and uh, hanging out. And I guess Robert saw something he liked. And so he kind of stalked me just for a little while watching. And <laughs> some tourist came up to me and asked me a question. And he saw that I was answering. So he's like, oh, approachable. <laughs> and so when they were done and I gave him directions, um, he came up and did the same thing. And started asking me questions about Canary River. Like, you know, what's that building right there? So I told him. And, you know, we had lunch the next day, and that was, that was where it started. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he was non-active, member of the church, but non-active. And by marrying him, I immediately became a grandmother of three. Oh, because wow. my stepkids are within two years of my age. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little bit older than you. A little bit. He was 18 years older. So he was 48. I was 29. And, in fact, meeting my um, my oldest grandchild for the first time, beautiful little nine-year-old, looks up at me. If you marry my grandfather, does that make you my grandmother? I said, oh. I said, honey, we'll just be really good friends, okay? <laughs> and it's her fault. I'm a great grandmother. <laughs> She's got three girls, and then her, and then the um, the next oldest has three boys, and um, the the next 
uh, oldest is Chandler. He's he's living here in uh, American Fork, and he's the actor in the family. He just I'm so proud of him. He just starred in his first major full length movie that will event very soon. I hope they'll release it to um, Netflix or oh. no Prime. Sorry, it'll be on. It'll be on Prime Video. And so when it does, I'll announce it to everybody. But the name of the movie is called Mr. Earth. And he's like in every frame of the movie. <laughs> and that just was in the uh, the Utah and then the LDS Film Festival. So oh, really? pretty proud of him. Yeah, he wow. got Best Actor. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my other stepchild, who literally is close to my age, has two daughters. So I've got, um, you know, th yeah, anyway, so it's awesome. It's awesome. So I've got... I've, got I've always heard being a grandparent's way more fun than being a parent. Is that true? Uh, well, you know, and I've always heard you spoil them in this and I'm home. Yeah. I, yes and no. I mean, it. Um, I've so enjoyed... Brandon has been just obviously my delight. Um, and it's been fun having the kids. I don't get to see them very often. Uh, the three boys are in Wisconsin, and the three girls are in uh, Colorado. You'd think I'd get to see them, but they're kind of antisocial. Um, I got to see them up until a few years ago pretty consistently, but I haven't seen them in a while. So I've done a couple dresses for baptisms, and I just haven't been able to see them in a while. But it's been pretty cool. But I don't know. I'd say being a mom is really super awesome. Until her teenage years. <laughs> but no, it's been really awesome. He's, yeah, he's so you've kid. been a member how many years, would you say? Brandon and I both were baptized three months before we moved here. Okay. So nine, this summer will be probably nine years. Oh, I didn't realize you were that fresh when you moved here. Yeah. Actually, wait, what's today? Today We've officially is... passed nine years on the oh, 16th. Yeah, March 20th, yeah. The 16th we were baptized. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just coincidentally, I, I, you know, I just hit a point where, well, and I guess to answer, to answer the, finally answer the question on how I got here, um, I watched Kim and Brian, my stepdaughter and her husband, raise their kids in the church. And so I had the good example from them. My husband told me all the bad because he, he'd had some bad things happen and, you know, and, um, uh, or saw thing, you know, bad things happen, and so I was always getting all the the rough edges from him. And then I'd see Kim and Brian raising their kids so amazingly, and I hit uh, Robert and I hit a, a really dark patch, and I um, actually moved out and took Brandon with me. And the same fellow for eight years was our home teacher. Knocked on the door one day, you know. I'm your home teacher. They tracked Robert down. Are you the Robert, Robert Lynn that used to be a member of you know such and such a ward? Uh, yeah. Okay. And then next Sunday, knock, knock, knock. You know, here's here's Paul, and um, he he was our home teacher for eight years, and through all the ups and downs, and he kept you know he just kept not giving up on me. Um, come to the Christmas party. Come to the Christmas party. You know and. And that's how it started. And then they come over and give lessons. And I can't tell you how many versions, how many sets of missionaries I went through. And I literally gave, I just, I put them through the ringer <laughs> on questions. I don't understand. 
excommunication. I don't understand why you take sacrament every week, and I don't understand this. And why could my husband not go and see his daughter get married? He's like, I could not understand any of that. I just it did not compute. Southern Baptists, we do we do sacrament twice a year. You know. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. They never really talk about the afterlife much. You know what happens next. It's always, it was a little more fire and brimstone. And so, you know, I had a lot of learning to do. And I had a lot of, I just knew what I knew, and that's what I knew. And I, I wasn't open to hearing it. And so I kind of smile and nod when the, when the missionaries came and gave a lesson and said, okay, yeah, yeah. And then when Robert and I had that last rough patch, you know, and here I am, a single mom with my kids, like, this is not what I wanted. You know, and Paul's like, Tina, can we try it again? I'm like, yes, this is what I need. I need something. So we started. He brought the missionaries over. We had um, one young fellow and one 31-year-old Tongan. Oh, really? Yeah. And, yeah, Elder Lana Aya. He, yeah, he came over the first time. And you guys have all heard this story before. But he came over the fir- for the first lesson. And, you know, Paul's sitting there with them both. And... And at the end of the lesson, he says, so, Sister Lind, you ready to be baptized? <laughs> and I looked at him, and, and I said, okay, wait. Don't push me. I enjoy the Bible study. I enjoy the lesson. I said, I will let you know when I'm ready, if I'm ready. I said, but if you push me, and I pointed to the door, there's the door. And Paul's like, oh, you know, sits back and goes, oh my goodness. And so, okay, we set, we set the next lesson. The next lesson he comes, and, uh, and Elder Lana and I, so, Sister Lind, are you ready to be baptized? And I go, whoa, <laughs> I told you last time, if you push me, <laughs> there's the door. And so anyway, um, it, it, it got better. And we uh, moved the lessons back to where we were doing it as a family. And um, he, you know, I got to a point where he says, are you ready? And I said, yeah. And he nearly fell off the chair. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, yeah, and so he baptized us, and uh, Brandon and I, because he was right there with us. This Mom, is your home teacher? Th- no, no. No, the, the missionary, okay. Elder Lana Aya. Oh, okay. I let him baptize and there was a lady that was baptized same day. And that, remember, this is in California. This is San Bruno, California, in the in the San Francisco Bay. And that lady now works over here at Thanksgiving Point. <laughs> lives in Orem. Her son from Orem came over and baptized her. And I believe that, and I have to look him up. But the last elder we had at baptism is from uh, South Jordan. And I, f- I found his card with his number on it the other day, so I think I'm going to look him up too. But to see what you did. But I haven't looked back. This is the best thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, cool. The best. I feel love. I feel contentment. I feel peace. I feel like every night I can, I can lay my burdens on someone else's shoulder and then pick them back up the next day, but it has kept me moving forward. Very cool. Yeah. So, what role has missionary service played in your life? Oh, well, I just told you, yeah. I mean, 
uh, their never-ending love and support and patience. And I just watched it all happen and participated again with it over the last four years with my mom. Mm -hmm. And my mom was baptized two months ago. Yeah, January 1st, right? Yeah. Yeah, January 1st. and so, Three months. Three months, yep. And I never thought that would happen. I really, I never thought. And, you know, it took me eight years. Well, she went through several sets of missionaries, too, I think. Oh, yeah. Say. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. In but, fact, we just got a, a wedding announcement for one of them. For one of the missionaries? Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, he went home immediately, was engaged, and now there's a date set, so... That's funny. This is one of your mom's missionaries? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really quick. Yeah. In fact, it seemed like, uh, especially this last year when she was really focusing in on it, that we kept getting them as they were almost rotating out. So we'd have them for a few months. They'd have a new companion, and then we'd have them for a few months, and then that one would go. So then that new one shifted over into the senior position. We'd have a new one come in, and then that senior one would go. And it's happened with all of them. We've, we've had none of them for more than like three or four months, you know, and or sometimes three or four lessons, you know. Um, it's been pretty amazing, though. Yeah, it really has. Well, cool, cool. Yeah. So what family relationships have had the most impact on your life? My mom. Hands down, my mom. She's always, always, always been there for us, supports us. Um, you know, obviously. She was supportive when you joined the church, even oh, though yeah. she wasn't a member? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think she was a little uh, apprehensive moving in, you know, and I tried really, really hard not to force anything on her and let her just kind of naturally um, become more familiar with it. Because, like I said, it took me eight years to say, okay, maybe there's, maybe there is something else out there. Well, um, mom came as a blank slate, afraid, to, really afraid to believe in anything. And um, I like to think I've been a positive influence. Sounds like it. Yeah, but she's always been supportive, and that's how we started. Obviously, with the, you know, with getting into any church at all, it was because of my mom. She never hesitated to. She never batted an eye. If we asked to go to a Bible study with a, a, a friend in elementary school, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah. So tell us about your professional life. You've oh done several goodness. things since I've known you. Well, and many before that, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, started in retail in my youth. Um, worked for the limited stores. Mm -hmm which used to be a big name, and now you can't find them. There's maybe only four or five in the nation. Um, but from there, I, you know, in college, I, I thought I was going to be a limited store manager for my entire life, so I changed from an accounting major um, to marketing because I thought that was way more fun. I've done nothing with my marketing degree. Okay, so then you it's know it's still got to be more fun than accounting, though, right? Well, okay, let's talk. Yeah, fast forward many years, and I end up in banking ah. as a as a business banker for Wells Fargo. So, and you know, learned a whole bunch of really great stuff. Crashed and burned because I was not a let's go knock on doors kind of a gal, and let's not dial for dollars. And I'm an introvert by nature, although you would never know it, but I am. Give me a puzzle, I'll do. You know, I'm happy. 
um, send in a customer, I'm happy. I, I mean, I succeeded in, I was very successful with the limited. I ran the largest volume store. I created, I got it to the point where my store was the largest volume store in the West from Colorado to the ocean. Pretty proud of that. Uh, and then I, um, then I, you know, I got um, a little burnt out. I did banking in between limited, then banking, then I went out on my own as a, as a uh, business consultant, then I went back to the limited, then I did something else, then I went back to the limited. <laughs> and so um, when I left the limited, it was, right, I just crashed and burned again. I was over overwhelmed and under-supported, which is a big deal, and left in November. You don't leave retail in November. You get through Christmas, right? Yeah, I left in November, and but, but I. But who wants to go through Christmas? <laughs> not when you're not when you're crying in the back room. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, I was done with it. Took some time off, and got pregnant. And so then uh, I like, like well, what can I do while I am? I don't want to do anything full time, so I started working at H and R Block as a tax professional for a season. And did that for two seasons and then applied for district manager. So I was hired as a, an assistant district manager. There were co-district. In the San Francisco district, she, uh, the district manager had two more of us. So we split the city. It's a city and county. So we split um, 28 stores between the three of us. And then I did that for a year, and then I went right into my own district in Santa. I had most of the San Mateo County, and then it was 18 stores. And then from there, I went to, uh, I did a part of San Jose, and I had another, like, 20 stores. And then I got caught in a down. So this is, okay, this whole thing spanned 10 years. I was a district manager for eight of them. And that's what I was doing before we moved here, and I got caught in a layoff. And so we're like, eh, we might have, this would be a good time to move. And, and Utah's Robert, cheaper than Colorado, or California. Kim and Brian were in American Fork. And, you know, we spent 11 years coming out here and visiting them. And every time we come visit, we look at model homes. So Robert's like, go look at model homes. <laughs> so, of course, we picked out the biggest home we could find, not thinking about the reality of having such a large home. But... Uh, and he brought me home. So um, that's how we ended up here. And the rest everybody knows. I mean, I'm, oh, and I'm full circle back to banking. While I've been here, I played around at Ancestry for four years, one year doing data control. So I was verifying accuracy of those people who are indexing and making sure they followed the rules. Um, and it was very cool. We were, in that time, we were doing German records, we were doing Swedish records, we were doing Spanish records. In one day, I had six different languages I was looking at. It was crazy fun, mm. and part of it was the wills and estates that are now indexed. I was a part of that group, the German records, like I said, um, and there was a fun part. I caught one, one day, I got my fingers on this, and, and it was um, church records. They were uh, we were indexing the journals that had been photo uh, microfilmed, 
ladies' journals. And so I'm reading about a sister wife and how upset she was about her other sister wife and how this gal doesn't pull her weight. I mean, it was just, there was always something really cool to read while you're checking for accuracy. And so I did that for a year and then I went into member services and that's when I learned about the DNA and and uh, really, really maneuvering the site and stuff. But yeah, and then... Uh, Are you, you know, the biggest DNA expert in the world? Probably. Probably, yeah. 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 I mean, I wouldn't say so I'm an expert. So ask Tina if you have any questions. For the autosomal, for the, for the ancestry or the... My heritage versions of them, those are autosomal, and so they're, you know, male, female, doesn't matter, it's, but it's, they're looking for the number of, uh, the number of uh, markers, you know, and, and <clears throat> the uh, cinnamorgans that you match. But I just had my dad take the test for Y-DNA, and I'm so not an expert on that. And the Y-DNA follows the male line mm -hmm. directly. And I have no concept of the mitochondrial DNA. Sorry, guys. But, um, you know, I can, I can help you find, like we did yesterday at the, like we did at the, at the party last night where, you know, who's a cousin? If you've got a tree, you can find that out. So my tree on ancestry has gone from 4,000 to 11,000 because I'm silly enough to spend my time going in there to my DNA matches. And if they have a tree, I put them in my tree, so, <laughs> which is kind of cool. So now I have like, yeah. you know, 11,000 cousins. <laughs> but, so you, your okay. field is white already to harvest as far as temple names, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazingly hard for me to find names. Oh, really? Yeah, it was... Um, it was pretty much fair, fair game, blank canvas, you know, and I can pick whatever. But I've done enough of the earlier work where now I'm pushing out to those older names that have been released worldwide. And they've been done at the, at the Mexican, New Mexico City Temple. And they've been done, you know, around the world. And so it gets a little more complicated. So, yeah, now I need to transfer all those ancestry tree names into my family search tree and get them into the one tree and then you know i'll have my picking again um but ironically they could have already been done too you know because they've been out there for so long but i'm having fun doing it i'm i got burnt out a little while, a little bit um when i first when we first moved here, my, you know, like I um, said, my first calling was family history consultant. At the same time, I was working for Ancestry. At the same time, <laughs> I was totally into doing my own. I kind of burnt out. Yeah, and so really this last year, I picked it back up and have been really running with it again. Was able to get through a brick wall. So one of the names I posted on the board at the party, and I had a picture on the table, I actually know her maiden name now, where for years, everybody, including my sister who had done family history before me, everybody thought her la her maiden name was um, Bonham, B-O-N-H-A-M. I couldn't find the connection, couldn't find the connection in, you know, the 1850 census or the 1860 census. And Oh, actually, she was born in 60, so but, you know she, we should have had her name somewhere on a census when she was young. Couldn't find her, couldn't find her, couldn't find her. 
And just in the last, I think a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I don't know, uh, the right records popped up and I found some too many coincidences not for it to be her. And now everything's starting to determine. Her last name was Stanton. S-T-A-N-T-O-N. And Bonham, Bonham was a second married name. Oh, she got married again. She got married again. And I figured that out from a draft record, from a draft um, whatever yeah. application. And I went from there. I said, okay, this is where this person lives. It said Sarah Bonham. Okay, she's in Colgate, Oklahoma. Okay, let me go to the 1920 census and find her. Sure enough, there she was with two of her kids that were matching a previous, those two names matched a previous um, census with under her initial married name which was copeland which is mom's maiden name and and then it that kind of sat for a while and i'm like she's no way if she's a widow she's no way back then was she's going to go back to her maiden name so i'm like hmm all right so then i started doing a little more digging and eventually uh like i said i, I matched up a census with a sarah stanton in the household of a Gabriel Stanton. Well, Sarah and William Copeland named their child Gabriel, which is not all that common. So her mom's name was Sarah. So it was Gabriel and Sarah, and there's Sarah as a child. And it's like, no, this has to be. And there was... uh, You sound like you're a really good researcher. And an Edgar. I'm like, okay, these are not normal names because uh, they named their child Edgar. Like, oh my gosh, this has to be her. So Stanton. Wow. Yeah. So I had to tweak a little bit because even Family Search Tree didn't have it right. Mm-hmm. And um, but I got her re re endowed, you know. So um, yeah, we're kind of getting things straight. Very cool. What has nurtured your testimony most during your adult life? I guess going through going through trials, just knowing I'm not alone. Literally knowing I'm not alone. We just had this discussion this morning in uh, Gospel Doctrine, and I would much rather believe in someone who loves me than believe in nothing. You know, I mean, people. some people, my mom had nothing to believe in. And I know that I'm taken care of. I know that the trials I've been through, the losses that I've had, you know, I lost my twin sister at 45 to cancer. I lose my husband. Uh, I am so not prepared to lose my my parents, um, but I know that I'll get through it because I know I'll see them again, and I know that all the work my sister did in family history. Now I understand the point of it. She may not have; she just thought it was cool. But I know that when I go to the temple, she's on the other side pulling them through. This is Terry. So your sister, your twin Terry. sister Terry, yeah. was really into genealogy. She was she, for twenty-three years, and she never joined the church. She, no, mm-mm. she didn't go to church at all. Not after we kind of left the Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. And she was in the Air Force, she's single, never married, no kids. So she spent her time the old-fashioned way. No compu- no, no online search. It was all right to that that uh, genealogy department or the records department of whatever state or city, you know, and she'd be writing and paying for the copies and, and writing letters to, you know, the, if that gave her a name of a relative and she could f- find through whatever um, um, 
director assistants could find them, she would be writing to them and asking them questions and sharing pictures and sharing stories. And, and she'd try and talk to me about it. And it was just like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever, Terry, whatever. And I'd give anything for another day with her just to talk about it. She and my, my great aunt, Mark, and I've got all their stuff. I've got all the pictures, all the research they've done. I, my dad gave that to me a couple of years ago. And so, uh, you know, I'm still work, working my way through it. I'm just finally digitized the pictures, but there's wills in there. There's, you know, stories, letters. Oh, so she's still got a lot of stuff you haven't looked at. Yeah, huh? yeah, wow. yeah. So and she died from it. cancer, is that right? She died from breast cancer and it metastasized her brain. So, yeah, she kind of faded more than anything. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer. Well, what life experiences caused you most to trust in God? Losses, mainly. You know, grandparent, losing grandparents and then losing my sister and losing my husband and... Um, just having that hope and that um, love to hold on to. I can give it all to him every night and not have to worry about things. You know, things don't keep me awake because I know that I can trust in him and things will work out. There's no way earthly or temporally that we should have been able to keep this house financially. There's no way, but it has worked out. When I needed it, things have come. When I needed the finances, things have come. When I needed more finances, I got the job, you know. And uh, just when things started running out again, I got a better job. And we, I can pay the mortgage, you know. I don't have to worry about it. So it, it's just really been a trial of faith through the last, really through the last, uh, not not even the last five years since Robert passed, but even before then. Um, but this last five years have been a trial. Yeah. Really a trial, but I've never wavered in my faith. Never. And I can't be more thankful for this ward. I have been truly blessed and loved and taken care of and watched over and um, embraced and um, so, so grateful for everybody here. And there's no way I would have, I just can't see having that experience in California. Uh, we would have been taken care of by the ward, but it would have been a very, very different experience. You know, here I can, I, I know that if I can, st I can step out on my front porch and I just holler or cry and somebody be right there for me. And that is, it's an amazing feeling. And definitely um, um, has magnified, you know, my faith in Heavenly Father to deliver whatever it is I need, whether I ask for it or not. And um, I try not to ask for too many things. I do a lot of thinking, mm -hmm. a lot of thinking, and I never blame. I don't know why people blame God for things. Well, you know, turn the mirror back around. What do you need out of this? What do you need to learn? What does someone else need to learn by watching you go through it? You know, and that's kind of, you know, I guess that's kind of what I live by. Yeah. Well, cool. 
So if you could pick your own calling, what would you? What would be your favorite calling? I'd like to go back to family history. Thank you very much. <laughs> We'd love to have you. <laughs> I really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I like helping others and at least sharing what I've learned. Yeah. Because I've learned a lot. Yeah. Um, and don't give up, people. If you've got a brick wall, just sometimes you just got to wait for the right document to be indexed (laughs) but it is it's really investigating and and being patient and uh you feel like sometimes you just keep you keep coming up with the same records the same records the same records there's nothing else but eventually the right one will pop up well cool any callings you'd like to avoid (sighs) i don't think i want nursery and I thought, I thought Bishop Escher was crazy when he called me to primary. Um, but, and I was just like a deer caught in headlights. Thank goodness I was with somebody who was, I was with Donna Gurney, who was a former teacher. And so she knew how to handle little ones. Thank goodness. And my second class and these were four and a half, five-year-olds. My second class oh were a couple of laps, lap warmers because there was some separation anxiety, so they were in my lap at the same time I lost my husband. So, you know, it was a beautiful, it, it, it really was a wonderful, wonderful experience. But no, I don't want to go back to it. <laughs> you know, but every time when I see the kids growing up and they, you know, losing their teeth, getting their teeth, there's, you know, into first grade, into second grade. I'm like, oh my goodness, the time has just flown. But these are my kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm still watching my kids grow up. Yeah, but I, I like to get back to family history. Cool. <clears throat> well, I'm going to ask you the hard question now. Oh. If you could send one message 100 years into the future for your posterity to hear, what would it be? Trust in the Lord. Honestly. Don't. Don't sweat the, the small stuff. Don't cut people out of your life. Life, that's more than one. But I'd say trust in him. He knows what you need. He knows what you can do. He knows what you can handle. Very good. Well, did we miss anything? What else do we need to know about no, Tina? So. No, you, I, I just put my whole life in my in out there for you. But no, um, I don't know. If you need a construction loan for your home, come talk to me. But we don't I don't want to do that for anybody in the neighborhood because we don't want you to go. <laughs> Unless you're in the condos and you wanna you wanna build on the empty lot over here that's already purchased by somebody else. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't wanna I love I love everybody in the ward. I'm still getting to know some in the in the um, gateway, but yeah, I love everybody. Cool. All right, well, Tina Lind, it's been a pleasure, and I appreciate you being here on the Westfield Second Ward Family Podcast. Thank you.